Views expressed by interviewees, guests, or other voices on this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of Wolf Radio or affiliated parties. I never thought I would experience last night. I really just sat there and watched my best friend die right in front of me, and I couldn't do nothing about it. In this episode of Sincere Voices of Victims, we sit down with Gary Corbett, the father of Brittany Denise Corbett. She was getting ready to jump in the car and leave again. I said, no, Brittany, don't you go nowhere. I said, park that car behind that house. So that's what she done. She parked the car behind the house. She fussed, fussed, fussed. She always fussed when Dad tell her to do something in her. And so she put the keys on top of the car. And by that time, she called this girl that she thought was her best friend to come pick her up. Brittany was murdered in a drive-by shooting that occurred in February of 2022 along Ozark Road in the town of Newville. Thomas was in the car with Corbett during the time of the shooting. And what she told us right after sounded more like someone who wanted to help save her friend rather than be involved in her murder. In an exclusive interview with WDHN-TV reporter Aaron Dixon, one of the suspects, Jaden Thomas, claimed to be Brittany's best friend. But police say she was no friend at all. Instead, she was one of their suspects in the murder plot. We went to school together. We did everything. We did really everything together. We hung out um, outside of school. We took trips. We did a lot. We even worked together one time. Her father was the first to arrive on the scene, and that's where our journey begins. The girl, Jaden Thomas, after she pricked Brittany up, they went to Helen to the corner store. And uh, Jasmine, my oldest daughter, said they were supposed to be coming back, coming to her house in Dothan. Well, instead of coming to Jasmine's house, they come back to Newville. Well, on their way back, when they turned on Ozark Road, Jaden Thomas called Clyburn and told them that she was, they was coming up the road. And they was waiting beside the road, waiting on them to pass by. When they passed by, they pulled in at my father-in-law's yard, and they pulled right up beside them, started shooting. They knew exactly where Brittany was sitting in the car. And they shot right there at the side of the car where she was sitting at. Brittany was just 19 years old when her life was cut short due to gun violence. Although her life ended that day, her father remembers her zest for life starting with her love of basketball at a young age. Tell us about Brittany as a child. Well, she was uh, very athletic in school. She started playing girls basketball when she was maybe 10 years old, and she followed it all the way out through high school. And she was very athletic and very a good basketball player at that. Uh, she won some kind of three-point competition up at Alabama State. She was, she was an awesome basketball player. And you said she started at the age of 10. Did, did, was that something that you saw in her as a young age? Yes, ma'am. She liked, she played with the boys out in the yard, and she was just as good as they were. <laughs> and that's what pursued on her and her brother both. Oh, okay. So she had siblings. Yes, ma'am. Uh, two brothers and six sisters. Five oh. sisters. Oh, wow. Yeah. Big I got thing. four stepchildren, which I raised them, so they can just my children too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um... Tell me some younger memories, uh, favorite memories of Brittany that you have. Oh, going to the beach. She loved it. when we went out of town, the beach of Jacksonville. 
and she she just loved to travel. She she dead when we're going, when we're going, all the time. <laughs> and she she liked to do stuff outside. We went to any lake or anything. She just loved. It. Was she a water sports type person? What you know? What what did she like to do other swimming. than basketball? She liked swimming. swimming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is she a good swimmer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She liked to do a lot of things outside. I mean. She basically, when she was inside, she was to herself. You would never know if she was in her room unless she come out. <laughs> so she was quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, most proudest moment of Brittany? When she graduated high school, that's all I asked all of them to do was graduate high school. Whatever you done after then, I was proud of you, but I just wanted you to graduate high school. And she done that. And where did she go to school, and what year did she graduate? Uh, Helen High School. She graduated in 2020. What were some of her aspirations? What did she want to do? What did she want to grow up to be? Well, she was a good artist. She drawed a lot of pictures on canvases. And she didn't really pursue it, but she was a great artist. I mean, she draw, I got pictures at the house. She draw, I got two of them. All the rest of them got gone, but I kept two. But she loved to draw on canvas. She she was a great artist. What did she like to draw? What were some of her favorite uh, things to draw? Cartoon characters and stuff like that. Did she draw for other people? Uh, she might have did outside of the house, but I, I never knew the only one she drawed in the house. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Um, so tell me about your community. Where, where did you live? We live on Ozark Road there in Newville. I mean, it's a pretty quiet community. I mean... Don't too much to go on now. I, I mean, it's just a quiet neighborhood, and everybody know each other. And I'm very familiar with everybody it. on that road. Some kin to everybody. That's right. I'm, yeah. I'm very familiar with that area, <laughs> Ozark Road. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. So, how long have you uh, lived in in Newville? I lived in Newville 52 years, ever since I was born. So your family is there. You're Corbett. Yes, ma'am. Y'all have Corbett a big family. And Kirkland. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah, my mother's a Kirkland. Big family. Yeah, we got. Two big families. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So was Brittany uh, involved with her family? Was Were there family oh, yeah. reunions? Or? Yeah, she loved family reunions, family gatherings. She, she, she'd be to every one of them. If we go, she'd out. No matter if she was staying at the house or not. I mean, she loved family get-togethers. Brittany's dad says she was working at a local donut shop and wanted to sign up for the military to serve her country. Matter of fact, she had talked to an army recruiter the day before she got killed. Hmm. Yep. So she had an aspiration of being in the military. Yeah. That morning, what was the date that this incident took place? Uh, February the 17th, uh, 2022. That day, earlier that day, she had, well, the day before, she had called me and um, told me, she said, well, then I'm coming back home. I said, I tried living with a girlfriend, so that just wasn't working out. She felt something was going on. And so the next day, she called, and her battery was dead, and I got off work. She was at work, and I went and jumped her off. And uh, I'm guessing she went on to get her pick her clothes up and come on to Newville. And so I got off work and went on home, and uh, we were sitting on the porch there. And my, one of the door handles on my wife's truck was broke off. And my, my son and 
his wife was over there, and we was just all sitting around the porch, and I was working on the truck. And I noticed uh, it was already was being gunfire down the street from my house. And uh, I noticed Brittany come by on her car, passed by, and my oldest son, uh, Gary Jr., was right behind me. And so I didn't pay it no attention. I kept sitting out there in the yard and uh, working on the car. And uh, about a couple minutes later, Junior came back up to the house and said, Daddy, Brittany is uh, down there trying to fight uh, such and such down the street there. And so I called on the phone. I said, Brittany, get your butt back to this house so you ain't got no business down in people's house. And uh, she come on back to the house and She's fussing and going on, and Junior trying to talk to her, and Zachary trying to talk to her, and everything. And you know, finally they got a little bit calmed down. And so she was getting ready to jump in the car and leave again. I said, "No, Brittany, don't you go nowhere." I said, "Park that car behind that house." So that's what she done. She parked the car behind the house. She fussed, fussed, fussed. She always fussed when they tell her to do something in the house. And so she put the keys on top of the car. And by that time, she called this girl that she thought was her best friend to come pick her up. And I told the girl, I said, don't you pick Brittany up. I said, you leave Brittany here. She pulled on down the road and got Brittany anyhow. And they went on. And gunfire kept going on, going on. So I got back on the porch and I said, well, let me call the police. So I called dialed 911. It was about 520. I dialed 911. And, um, uh, we kept sitting on the porch, sitting on the porch, going on. And uh, the rest of the kids, my old, my youngest son, he got up and he left. He had to run to Helen for something. And so Junior kept calling Brittany on the phone. You know, they was talking back and forth. And then, uh, so we kept sitting there. About 30, 40 minutes went there. And the police still hadn't come. So I told my wife, I said, well, doggone. I said, the police just ain't going to come and see what's going on up here. And, uh... We kept sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. And so it was about supper time then. It was a little, about 10 minutes after 6. And uh, so I got up to go in the house and fix something to eat. And my wife and my oldest son and mother's daughter, they went to the Dollar General. Well, by the time I got in the house and turned the stove on good, the phone rung. It was a... uh, my father-in-law's wife, Cassandra, she called and said, Gary, said, you need to get up here on this hill. I think they done shot your baby in the car in my front yard. And so I jumped in the truck and went up there, and I ran around the car, and I asked the other people that I knew that was in the car, I said, hey, what bring that, what bring that, what bring that? And she was laying there on the ground. She, I picked her up and held her for a little minute. I checked the pulse. And she was already dead, I mean. And so I'm asking them, who shot, who shot her, who shot her, who shot her? They, they, none of them never get around to telling me. And uh, so it was about 20 minutes later, the sheriff finally showed up. And me and him got into an altercation, and he he stood right there in, in my face and lied to me right in my face and said, uh, we didn't get your first 911 call. And, and me and him just started going at it, started going at it. And, and uh, after all said and done, we kept sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. Another 30 or 40 minutes 
passed by. And then the paramedics finally showed up. And, and it didn't take that long because that next day after me, and I got in my car and I drove from the scene to the paramedic station in Helen. And it took me seven minutes to get there. So I was wondering why it took them so long. You know, multiple people were shot here, and it took you an hour or so to get to that scene when it only took a seven-minute drive. And then, you know, I blamed it the next day. I, I went on Facebook, and I blamed it on the dispatch, but I was totally wrong for that. 911, what's the emergency, please? Because Mr. in Helen verified that they dispatched that call out to them officer. We have not included the officials' names in this podcast due to pending litigation. It was one officer that took the call. His name was He was the one that refused to come out there and see what was going on. And I got verification of all this. After all said and done, they let him resign from the sheriff department in Henry County and then they turned right around and hired him back with the Abbeville City Police Department. But you're supposed to protect and serve. That's your job. I do solemnly swear that I will support the Constitution of the United States. And I will faithfully, impartially, and justly. So help me God. I don't care where you live at. If you use a police officer, that's your job. Protect and serve. And then he ended up working part-time with me at O'Reilly Auto Parts. And then he told the story of why he didn't come out to that scene. What did he say? He said that we lived in a rural area and he wasn't going out there to see about us. And, and that was just, you know, unbelievable. And so after I found out who exactly who he was, uh, me and him, we just couldn't work in the same place. And so I reported to my supervisor and they transferred him out of the store. But... You know, if, if, if my son, he works in the, with the sheriff department down here in Houston County, and uh, he's a jailer, but he, he wanted to be an officer, but after that day, it kind of throwed him. He didn't, you know, if they do that to my family, just think about anybody else, other family. Even I went to the council meeting up in, in Abbeville and informed them of this action that they'd have done and then they stood up there and made like they didn't know nothing about it. They didn't know that this all had happened. But the same guy that's chief up there now was on the force, was was on Abbeville City Police Force at the same time. So he knew that this guy was, was, wasn't a good officer. But my theory is I think they just take one officer and transfer him from one place to the next and just keep them employed. I mean, that ain't fair to the community or nobody else. Just think if it would have happened to somebody else's child, one of their child, then they'd have wanted some action took towards this officer. Gary thinks if his 911 calls had been responded to sooner, none of this would have occurred. And that would have prevented it. I ain't gonna say it would have stopped it, you know, but it would give more time for me to talk to her and her to settle down, them to settle down. Then they might have would have even forgot all about the situation. Did she know? Was she familiar with the four? It was four suspects, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. She knew them. I mean, the, the girls live right there in our community. Matter of fact, I mean, one of the girls just, just spent the night with me. 
And one of them that's up there in prison now used to come to the house and spend the night with Brittany. And the other one, I used to haul her back and forth about games. She needed a ride home, I'd take her home. And 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 and, she, and Brittany was such a good friend that she'd leave her job and take her to work and go back to her job. As a father, how does that make you feel, knowing that these young ladies have been in your home and you've helped them? Yeah. I mean, it it, 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 it threw me for a loop. I mean, I just couldn't believe that that they would kill their friend. I mean, y'all was friends. Everybody had their ups and downs. Back when I was coming up, we have the ups and downs, basketball game, court, we fight, and at the end of the day, we sitting on a tree <laughs> talking about it and, and drinking beer because we wasn't old enough to drink, but we still got over it. We didn't go to the gun. And, uh, and if one of them did, their daddy found out, and then they beat the mess out of them. And, uh, you know, it just wasn't like this back in our day. The, the younger generation now, the first thing they want to do is pick up that gun and shoot somebody. Thinking they're going to make a name for themselves or somebody else. Do you think just, justice has been served in some sort of way with the arrest of all four suspects? Well, it was five. It was five, sorry. Yeah, but... uh. I don't know, you know, Brittany's girlfriend at the time, which this was all about. She was going with one of the guys that shot Brittany. But the detective said she was so remorse, she didn't have nothing to do with it. But you didn't get her phone records. You didn't get her laptop. My oldest daughter had found a lot of stuff, and I had text messages on my phone where she was talking mess about Brittany that same day on my phone. So even though she wasn't at the scene, she still was involved, but they don't want to do nothing to her. And I have asked, asked over and over. And um, I talked to this one FBI agent that he said he was going to stay involved with it. But if he said if he find one thing on them phone records where they were communicating back and forth, that they will issue a warrant for her arrest. All of them were... Were they arrested at the same time, or was it different times? Uh, they arrested like three or four of them at one time, and then they got the main guy that was shooting the big gun, the AR-15 or whatever it was. They got him a couple of days later. But they got the three or four of them about a day or so later. And then it was that Sunday afternoon when they got the other guy. Now, from what I remember, uh, one of the young ladies was on a local television station. Yeah, saying that she was Britain's best friend. Dramatic courtroom developments this afternoon. Prosecutors say all but one of the young people accused in the February murder of Brittany Corbett are pointing their fingers at one man. I never think I would experience last night. I really just sat there and watched my best friend die right in front of me, and I couldn't do nothing about it. You know, it, uh... I don't know, it confused me there, you know. They had an arraignment hearing for All right. And the basketball coach of both Brittany and uh, Jaden was there. And he spoke on behalf of Jaden how good friends her and Brittany were. But when they was playing basketball, you called me on my phone and tell me that I need to keep Brittany away from her because it was a bad seed though. But you get up and testify for her. And then he end up finding out a lot of things that he didn't know about this girl. 
uh, once the lawyers got to cross-examine Then he was looking, you know, like, wow, I didn't know this. Hmm. So she was, I, I saw her on the news, and she was talking about Brittany, and she didn't know what happened. And then, um, I believe it was the next day she was arrested? She was arrested, yes, ma'am. Have you heard from what was, or have you heard from any of them, the motive behind it was just a beef? That's it. Can't nobody really explain why it was just an argument they had because the girl, the boy was uh, going with the same girl that Brittany was going with. And Brittany had found out a day or so early and they were just squabbling back and forth about it. So a a relationship. Yes, ma'am. Gone wrong, basically. Basically. Or or someone cheating. Yes, yes, ma'am. That's what it was. And, And... Brittany, she really cared for that girl. I mean, I don't. She done come to my house and, you know, sat down and talked. We spent Christmas together, but I, you know, as a as a parent, put it like that. You have bad vibes and feelings about other folks, and you know judgment, and you know when they're going the wrong direction. I was so happy when Brittany called me and told me she was coming back to that house. I could have jumped for joy. So Brittany was staying with this person. Yeah, she had moved out a couple. It wasn't. She was back and forth. Put it like that. She stayed at my house a couple of days, and then she go there and stay three or four days. And this person was one of the suspects. Well, she didn't get arrested. They just waiting on phone records to come back to uh, show that she was involved in it. So you really still don't know what the fight was about. Basically, it was just an argument over a guy. Mm-hmm. Is gunfire normal in that area? or is, You said it was a quiet neighborhood. No, I know everybody yeah. knows everybody there. People hunt over there. But when you hear 30 or 40 rounds going leaving off of an assault rifle, that ain't normal. In the backyard, on the other side of my mother's house. And matter of fact, they were shooting towards my aunt's house. And some rounds hit her house that afternoon. And that was another reason why I called 911. And they were just shooting for no reason? They was practicing up what they said to kill Britain. So this was a plot? Yeah. Wow. How does that make you feel? Yeah, I'm real angry. Because it all could have been prevented. If, if the officer would have came out there the first go round when I called, when I called. It all could have been prevented. Do you know if this beef had been going on for a while or had it just occurred? It just occurred that day. Because that's when Brittany came to Newville. And because she had found out all about what was going on. Because she had girl's laptop. And she had seen all the communication and everything that was going on. And she confronted her. Hmm. And that, that goes on pretty much in any relationship. If you find out your significant other is cheating, yes, ma'am. you would confront them. So, But they yeah. just took it to another level. To another level. A whole other level. Yep. How, how are your um, other children doing? Uh, here it is almost two years later. How are they doing? They handle it pretty well. It's my grandchildren, the one I have to worry about because... My grandson Cameron, him and Brittany, they was like glue. I mean, then where Brittany went, she took Cameron. And and them other two grandboys of mine, they was 
you know, they just love Britney. Because she had started learning Jamari how to draw cartoon characters just like her. And he still, to this day, draw them a little bit. How old is he? Uh, Jamari is eight years old, finna be nine. Brittany took a lot of time up with him. Especially when Jazz had to work, she would babysit. And she's totally missing that right now, you know. Well, they, that was probably a special bond or relationship that they had together. Between sisters, that's right. Tell me about the services. Uh, you have a big turnout because I'm quite sure. Yeah, Ozark yeah. Road alone is a community within itself. Yeah, so. it was a it was a big big turnout, and I owe a lot to Derek Wright at Wright's Funeral Home, in which his wife and Brittany, that was Brittany's favorite teacher in school, Miss Wright. Her and Miss Wright even Miss Wright was a third or fourth grade teacher. They communicated all through out her school. Hmm. She just loved Miss Wright. <laughs> That's a new uh, funeral home, isn't it? Yes, mm-hmm. yes, ma'am. Right down on the phone line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Derek's real good. Me and Derek's brother graduated high school together. Derek was about two years on us, but, you know, they just good people. Wasn't he a coroner? Yeah, Derek Wright. Yeah, he was a coroner. He the one that come picked up that night and, and Miss Wright come with him and, and she she told me that was the worst thing she could ever done she just couldn't believe it mm. how did that community uh, I mean I'm quite sure everybody when they heard the the, the, the shots fired uh, everybody converged on the scene pretty much yeah pretty much I mean it was calls from one end of the road to the other end of the road on both sides, I mean, and it had a lot of support. I mean, people came out and, you know, showed their support. And I had this one uncle, Dexter Bryant. He was there every day, no matter what. He made sure I had this, I had that. And we sit outside, he brought wood to burn on the wood pile, and we just conversate. But he did keep me stable the whole time. How are you coping uh, to this day? It's hard. I have good days and bad days. And uh, some days I go to work. I remember a situation. Brittany called me one night. It was about 11, 30, 12 o'clock. I always turned to go to work there by the raceway. And she was at that raceway there. It was like 11, 12 o'clock at night. She called me and said, Daddy, my car won't crank. I said, oh, man. She said, I'm just going to leave it here, and I'm going to catch a ride with my friend. And uh, you can come on and get the car whenever. So I got on up out the bed. I already had the car trailer hooked to my truck. So I get all the way down there, gets the car situated, get ready to put it on the trailer. And I noticed the gas can was on empty. I said, this girl done got me out my bed this time of the night. In the car, only thing wrong with it, it needs some gas. <laughs> I took the gas jug, pulled some gas in it, and drove it up on the trailer. Boy, I blessed her out that next day. I said, why did you just say you needed some gas money? <laughs> and I'll just come on and give you some gas money. <laughs> I done had to get out of bed in the middle of the night, knowing I got to be to work next morning to get you some gas. But I can turn right there at that station, and it'll hit me, and, you know, I end up crying before I get to work. 
but them were just good memories. Right. Yeah. You have found you have to find laughter or uh, great memories to yeah, to, to, to carry you on. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. How has the uh, Angel House helped? Great support from the Angel House. Um, they helped me in any way they can possible. I mean, I had Miss Bunny, but she moved on. But we got Miss Katie and Miss Caitlin now, and they they doing a fine job over there. I mean, I really appreciate them mm-hmm. and everything they do over there. Mm-hmm. And Miss Carla Jackson, she stays in touch, too. She'll come by my job every now and then and see me and uh, keep up the good faith. And we go to, she'll invite me over to Time Youth with uh, Nate Patterson. Nate was Miss Nate Patterson, yeah. I enjoyed over there one night. We, they had this rapper guy there that was rapping gospel music and I thought that was amazing. I mean, he done a fine job and I really enjoyed them over there that night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I will be attending over there again okay. whenever they have something. Have you used the counseling services there? I mean, you know, I know that the uh, the gentleman there uh, at the, the vigil said that you need to tell your story. So that's the whole point of me bringing you here is yep. to tell your story. Has counseling helped you? Yeah, I mean... Uh, you know, I hadn't talked to him but one or two times, but um, it was a lady that come and spoke at the visual last year. And I listened to her very well, and she always told me the more you talk about it and express yourself, the better you feel. So sometimes people going to get tired of hearing it, but keep talking about it, and the better you'll feel about it. And it was true what she said. I think that's what Lawana McClendon has been doing with Sincere. Yeah. It's been mm-hmm. helping her, and, and yes, she's ma'am. been getting calls from uh, people from other places. So this may help you as well. Happy to be able to help you tell your story, and maybe it'll bring you some relief and uh, some comfort. Yes, ma'am. I mean, if anybody want to call me, they feel free. Or, you know, you can easily, it ain't hard to find me. And I'm, I'll talk about it any day of the week. As of date of this podcast... Corbett says he still hasn't been able to inspect the car that she was shot in. The 911 records, nor according to him, more evidence that could give him the answers he so desperately seeks. All that was involved, I want them prosecuted to the fullest. I mean, ain't no such thing as useful offenders. If you commit a man's crime, you get a man's charge. Just like with this, this, this kid who killed these two girls. They're going to send him as a juvenile. No, you committed a man's crime, so you go do man time. That's my point of view. Charged in Brittany's murder are 19-year-old Jaden Thomas of Headland, 21-year-old Austin Daniels of Midland City, 19-year-old Jeremiah Claiborne, and 19-year-old Ferreira Norton, both of Newville. All are charged with murder, capital murder, conspiracy to commit murder, and multiple counts of attempted murder. I'm Deborah Pearson with Sincere Voices of Victims, the murder of Brittany Corbett.